0: Take your Bible this morning and turn to the fourth chapter of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 7 and following in just a few minutes. We'll be looking at uh, various passages in the fourth chapter of Nehemiah. There's a legend that tells about the devil one day who decided to have a yard sale or he's auctioning off His tools. You know, those things that he uses to wreck every work of God with. And he had all his tools out there, and there was pride, and he had a price tag on pride, and there was laziness, there was arrogance, there was hatred, there was envy, there was jealousy, all those tools, and they all had high prices on all of them. But there was one tool under which he had a sign that said, Not for sale sort of a strange looking tool. Somebody said, what is that? Why isn't it for sale? He said, well, I can't afford to get rid of that one. That's my chief tool. That's the tool that I use most often. It's the tool of discouragement. The friend said, well, why is it so important? The devil said, I can get into the heart of a person with this tool. I can pry open that heart and once I get into their heart I can do just about anything I want to do. Discouragement is my chief tool. So today as we go through this series of messages called More Than Conquerors and we've looked at all the various different ways of that uh, we need to conquer various things in our lives, we're going to deal with discouragement. Uh, every year more than a thousand Southern Baptist pastors drop out of ministry. That means about every week, 20 Southern Baptist pastors just say, I quit. Every single week. And the number one reason that they quit is discouragement. All of us have bouts with discouragement. When, we dis- when we're discouraged, we feel like giving up because we're disheartened and we're dispirited, we're defeated. But the more you try to serve God, the more you're going to have to battle discouragement because that is the devil's choice weapon. That's why over and over again in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, you'll find the phrase, be not dismayed, be not discouraged. New Testament will use words like weary or faint to describe discouragement. Write this verse down, Galatians chapter six, verse nine. You know that verse, but here's what Paul says. Do not grow weary. Do not get discouraged, he says. Do not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. So I want to give you some principles this morning to help you conquer this discouragement that all of us go through from time to time, and uh, we're going to get those principles from the fourth chapter of Nehemiah, beginning in verse 7. Let's stand together in honor and reverence of the reading of God's inspired, infallible, inerrant word. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and that the gaps were beginning to be closed, they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and to create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. But Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing and there is so much rubbish. That we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. Father, we know that the devil's desire is to cause the work of God to cease in this world. And far too often we give in to that uh, desire of the devil because he uses discouragement and fear and so many other things to uh, keep us from serving you. Help us to keep our eyes focused on who you are, what you have called us to do, and then help us to be faithful stewards of what you've entrusted to our care. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's start then by looking at why people get discouraged. Why, Why do you get discouraged to begin with? What are the reasons for discouragement? In in Nehemiah, you're looking at a, a time period about 586 B.C. And in 586 B.C., the Babylonians made their way into the southern kingdom of Judah and conquered it. They destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And they took many of the leaders into captivity. If you look back at the first chapter of Nehemiah, for example, in the third verse, the Bible says... Uh, that somebody came to tell Nehemiah about what was going on in Jerusalem. They told him this, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and in reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. So by the time of Nehemiah, the city of Jerusalem and the walls have been in ruins now for about a hundred years. Nehemiah gets permission from the king of Persia, you remember, to go back to Jerusalem. He feels that he's been called of God to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall, to oversee the task of rebuilding the city of Jerusalem uh, because in ancient times, it was absolutely essential for you to have a wall around the city as a fortress to protect you. So Nehemiah's workers start rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem and every day, As they build that wall, they become more and more discouraged. In chapter 4, verse 10, the Bible says, Judah, Judah of all people, the tribe of Judah was one of the strongest, if not the strongest tribe of all 12 of the tribes of Israel. And Judah says, the strength of the laborers is failing and there is so much rubbish everywhere, we're not able to build the wall. So, reason number one why people get discouraged is fatigue. Fatigue. They were simply wore out, they were tired. They're working, they're working hard, but they got wore out in the middle of the job. Most of the time, I've discovered that when I feel discouraged, it's because I'm physically tired. I'm just really physically tired. So I want you to write this down. I'm going to give you permission. You've been waiting for this. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is take a nap. It's absolutely true. The most spiritual thing that you can do is take a nap because listen, if you burn the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are and you're going to end up getting burnt at both ends. We cannot be spiritually and emotionally high if we're physically low. We don't need to, you don't need to divorce your spouse. You don't need to disown the kids. You just need some rest. Just take a step back and and rest because fatigue is one of the main things that causes us to be discouraged psychologically. Here's the second thing, frustration, frustration. The Israelites are frustrated. Judah says, we look all around us, there's just rubbish everywhere. So much rubbish. And they think, verse 10 says, we're just not able to rebuild this wall. Rather than looking at this job one step at a time and doing what the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to do, to live one day at a time, uh, the Bible says, Jesus says, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Today's got enough problems without you worrying about tomorrow. So instead of taking things one step at a time, they looked at the whole thing and they saw all this rubbish, they saw all this trash, they saw all this debris, and they said, we are never going to be able to finish this job, it's too big, it can't be done. Listen, if you look at the total job and think that you have got to get it all done in one day, it can't be done can't life's hard by the yard but by the inch it's a cinch they did get it done but they were discouraged does it ever seem to you like everything in the world just piling up on you look at verse 10 again judah said the strength of the labors is failing there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall." The hardest job is not laying the bricks, it's removing the trash. The hardest job is not building the building, it's getting rid of the junk. And most of us don't want to do that. And yet, the trash has got to be removed. People in Nehemiah 4 are talking about physical debris, but there are all kinds of trash that needs to be removed in order for God to work in us. There's a lot of theological trash that needs to be removed in a lot of our lives today. We believe things that are not true or that are not biblical, so we need to get rid of the theological trash. There's a lot of moral trash in our world that needs to be removed today. There's a lot of organizational trash. So much of what we do is done just because that's the way we've always done it. And it needs to be gotten rid of. There's a lot of traditional trash that needs to be gotten out of the way so that you can get back to the bedrock of why we exist, and that is the word of God. And the reason we exist is to win people to Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. The problem in Nehemiah is that the people got about halfway through, and all they could see was rubbish. They didn't have any heavy equipment that they could move the tons of broken rocks and piles of dirt. But here's what they didn't pay attention to. Here's what they didn't notice. There was no more rubbish now than there was when they started. In fact, there was less. They'd been getting rid of it, but all they saw was the rubbish. In other words, here's what happens. There are some people in this world who only focus on the negative. We just can't do that. That's impossible for a church our size to do. Do you think we'll ever get that done? And so we see only the negative. You see only the debris. You see only the debris that needs to be removed. And it causes the rest of us to get frustrated. A little over eight years ago, I came to this church as pastor, and I set forth the vision for this church. And that vision was that we're gonna reach the world for Jesus Christ. We're gonna begin in South Knoxville and Seymour, and we're gonna to go to every part of the world until every person has heard. Eddie came along, and he helped, get that, he helped me take that vision. I believe that you build a great church through biblical preaching, through Sunday school, and through uh, missions. That's that's been my focus for 40 years. Preach the Bible, teach the people, go into the world and carry the gospel. I believe when you do that, God will bless. Eddie came along and said we need to put that in a little slogan people can remember. I said, "All right, what is it?" He said, "Gather, grow and go." And so that's what we've done for the last 8 years. We gather together to worship God. We grow as we study God's word, as we're involved in small groups. That's why we talk about the need for all of us to be involved in a small, Bible, small group Bible study. We grow, why? So we can go into the world. So don't get, don't get frustrated when Debbie Diner starts complaining about this little thing or that little thing didn't go the way they wanted it to go. Keep your eyes on the vision. Valley Grove Baptist Church exists to gather for worship of our God, to grow in our knowledge of the Word of God so that we can go into all the world beginning in South Knoxville and Seymour until every person has heard and had the opportunity to respond to the gospel. Don't get frustrated because people get upset because of this little thing, that little thing that that they don't like. See, if it doesn't fit the vision, we're not going to do it. We're just not going to do it. Not that it's bad, not that it's wrong. We just, it just doesn't fit who we are, what we're doing. Discouragement comes when people are fatigued, when there's frustration. Reason number three these people had become discouraged is because of fear. We've already talked about fear, but fear... Uh, does great harm in the body of Christ. The Israelites were afraid. If you look at verse 11, they're afraid because their enemies have, have threatened to sneak in and kill them. Our adversaries said, They will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. They're afraid because they could be attacked at any time. Verse 12, so it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came and they told us 10 times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. They're afraid. They're afraid somebody's gonna come, come and, and, and destroy them. They're afraid somebody's gonna sneak up on them. Have, have you ever lived near bad neighbors? Uh, Thank God I don't, I have good, my neighbors are here this morning. Matter of fact, I have good neighbors. But have you ever lived near or next to bad neighbors? That's what's happening to the Jews here. And what's happening is the neighbors keep saying, we're going to come in unannounced. We're going to drop in unannounced and we're going to kill you. Well, now that would just make you a little fearful, wouldn't it? Put you on edge. You'll never know when the neighbors are going to come across the fence with a, with a gun or a knife or something to, to kill you. Listen, negative, critical comments create discouragement because they cause the fear of failure. Everybody who serves the Lord is going to receive negative comments you're trying to do something to the Lord, if you're trying to do something for God in your life, there are always going to be people out there who are trying to discourage you. And because the devil's going to see to that. When Joshua and the Israelites were conquering Jericho, you go back to that story, God told them, you remember to walk around the city once a day for six days. And then he said, on the seventh day, you're to march around Jericho seven times. Listen to what the Bible says in Joshua chapter six, verse 10. Joshua commanded the people and said, you shall not shout or any wise say anything with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day that I say so, and then you will shout. Joshua was a wise leader. And Joshua knew that it only takes one critic to discourage the whole bunch. Only takes one negative person. If, 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 if while they're walking around the city, so one, I mean, it's the worst military strategy in the history of the world. We're gonna overtake Jericho by walking around the city once a day, every day, don't say anything. On the seventh day, we'll do it seven times and then we'll shout and we're gonna win. Horrible military strategy. So they start walking around the, now, All it takes is one person. They're walking around the wall. You and me are walking beside each other, and I look over at you and say, isn't this the silliest thing you've ever seen in your life? This is dumb. Why are we doing this? We're just walking around the wall. This is dumb. We're dumb for doing it. And then you say, you know what? I hadn't thought of that, but it is. It's dumb. This is... is, this is crazy. And then you go home that afternoon, you get on the telephone and you call somebody, and say, you, you know what we did today? We marched around the city of Jericho and that's just dumb, isn't it? That's just crazy. Look, one critic, one critic plants the idea that this is a bad idea, or that this is this is uh, uh, the wrong thing to do, and that one critic passes that negative attitude on to the next person, and then they pass it on to the next person, and before you know it, the spirit of negativism and discouragement spreads throughout the whole congregation. So Joshua said, "I don't want anybody talking," because Joshua knew there's a critic in every crowd. And criticism and negativism causes fear, and fear results in discouragement. So stay away from negative people. Stay away from critical people. Every church, listen, every church has at least two or three chronic critics. They don't ever see anything good. They don't ever like anything anybody's doing. And I'm gonna tell you something about them. There are usually two or three, they normally don't even come. They don't come to worship. They don't come to Sunday school. They sit at home and they criticize everything everybody else is doing. They spread negative, stay away from them. Don't concentrate on those who left, concentrate on those who stayed. The reasons for discouragement, fear, fatigue, frustration. So what do you do about it? What's the remedy? Well, first thing Nehemiah did was this. Look at verse 13. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. He continued the work, but he took a new approach. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing, the same way, over and over, but expecting different results. So since Nehemiah wants a different result, he used a different approach. He didn't quit, he didn't change his mission. When the going gets tough, our first reaction is often get discouraged and then quit. And so there are a lot of people who dropped out of college because it got hard, or they walked away from their marriage, or they quit their job because they were going through a season of discouragement. That is the worst thing that you can do because it then becomes a habit, and when it becomes a habit, then you become a quitter. Then all of a sudden, every time something happens in your life that's a little bit hard, you just say, well, I'll just quit, and I'll go on to something else. Nehemiah never missed a beat in building this wall. He continued with a new approach. And so he took the Israelites and he posted them around the wall. And this time he said, I'm going to post you around the wall by family. He took families and he put them together because he knew everybody needs what? A support group. You can't do it by yourself. That is the main function. One of the main functions, at least of the church. We're supposed to be a support for one another. That's why Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some, but exhorting one another encouraging one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. What day is he talking about? He's talking about the day of the Lord, the judgment of God, the second coming of Christ. There's going to come a time when this old world finally gets what's coming to it. And so those of us who are believers need to band together. We may need to take a new approach. So don't give up on your education. Try a different study method. Don't give up on your marriage. Go see a counselor. Don't give up on your business. Maybe you need a new marketing strategy. Continued with a new approach. Here's the second thing you do when you get discouraged. Concentrate on the Lord. Concentrate on the Lord. Knowing that truth. Nehemiah stands up and he looks over and he begins to speak to the people. And in verse 14, here's what he says. I looked and I arose and I said to the nobles and the leaders and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. When you and I begin to concentrate on the Lord, that means we're going to remember the Lord. So what does it mean to remember the Lord? Well, first of all, you remember the promises of God. Why don't you take God's word and just start taking a, a highlighter or something and going through and underlining the promises of God. Here's a good one for you. Though the Lord's mercies or through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions never fail. They are new every morning and we sang about it. What did we sing? Great is thy faithfulness. That's a promise of God. Focus on God. Focus on the promises of God. Second thing, focus on the presence of God. One reason we get discouraged is we feel like we're all alone. We feel like everybody's deserted us. We feel like the whole world's against us. You remember Elijah after he uh, met the prophets of Baal uh, at Mount Carmel, and he has defeated 450 prophets of Baal, and all of a sudden Jezebel, that one woman, comes along and says, listen, I'm coming after you. What, what did Elijah do? He ran off and hid somewhere, and what did he tell God? He said, Lord, I'm the only one left who's fighting for you. And the Lord, I got a feeling, chuckled a little bit. <laughs> he said, that's what you think, Elijah. I've got many, many more scattered all over here who have not bowed the knee to Baal. But we get to feeling like we're the only ones left. Remember what the Bible says about the presence of God. It says that God will go before us. He'll go behind us. He goes with us. He's to the side of us. It says he never forsakes us. He never leaves us. And so because God's presence is always with us, we don't need to be fearful. We don't need to be discouraged. So when you focus your attention on God, you remember his promises, you remember his presence, you remember his power. Remember his power. Nehemiah said, Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Answer this question in your own mind, is there anything God can't do? Of course not, he can do anything. Then what about your situation? Can he handle whatever it is you're going through? Can he handle whatever it is that's happening in your life, in your job, in your marriage, in your business, whatever it ha- wherever it happens to be? Can God, if, if God can do anything, are you the exception to the rule? Is this church the exception? Oh, God can do anything, but he can't do anything with us. That's not thinking about the great and awesome God, that's a defeatist negative attitude. To remedy discouragement, continue on with what God's called you to do with a new approach. Concentrate on the Lord. Here's a third thing you need to do. Encourage somebody else. Encourage somebody else. Under Nehemiah's leadership, the word continued or the work continued with half the men holding spears from daybreak until the stars, the Bible says, so from dawn to dusk. They had a group holding spears, protecting. To keep defeat discouragement, Nehemiah had those people who lived outside Jerusalem not go home at night. So they'd worked, but then they ran the night shift and they were, they stood guard over the city rather than going home. Discouragement tends to cut us off from other people. We get by ourselves and we close the door and we don't don't reach out to others and it sends us on an inward pity party. Discouragement makes us selfish because we focus only on ourselves. Somebody said our own burdens become lighter when we help somebody else carry theirs. That's how God designs us. That's how God intended it to be. If I want to be encouraged, I need to encourage others. If I want, instead of coming in with a dark cloud hanging over your head every time, boy, you ever seen somebody like that? Every time they come in, boy, what is wrong today? What's the problem now? There's just a big dark black cloud over their head. They never come in and say anything positive. They never come in, it's always, well, you just won't believe what's happened now. Well, you just won't believe. Listen, if you want to be encouraged, encourage somebody else. God created us that way. When we carry somebody else's burdens, not only are they going to be encouraged, but we're going to be encouraged because it takes the focus off of us. Discouragement is when we turn our eyes away from God and away from others and we just start looking at ourselves. Woe is me. My life is horrible. I feel so bad. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. That's discouragement. When you start encouraging others, you're going to be encouraged yourself by the power of God. Great prize-winning author Ernest Hemingway said this, and I think this is probably one of the most tragic statements I have ever read. Ernest Hemingway said, Life is just a dirty trick, a short journey from nothingness to nothingness. There is no remedy for anything in life. Man's destiny in the universe is like a colony of ants on a burning log. That will bless your heart, won't it? Boy, that's tragic. How would you like to go through life? But I know people who go through life thinking I'm an ant on a burning log. I'm nothing and my nothingness is nothing. That's why there's so many. By the way, Hemingway died of suicide. I think I understand a little bit why. Jesus had an entirely different approach. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I'm not an ant on a burning log. (laughs) I'm a child of God. And so if you're feeling like an ant on a burning log this morning, how about about change that? How about feeling instead like a royal blue blood? Because you're a child of the king. real life is when we understand our mission and we continue on there're going to be critics and they're going to bark at you all the time and they're going to be nipping at your heels and they don't like this and they don't like that listen it's always going to be the case just Pay no attention to it. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. You may have to change your approach a little bit, but keep your eyes focused on the Lord. Remember his promises. Remember his power. Remember his presence. And then decide this day, I'm going to be an encourager. I'm going to encourage people. Rather than walking up to them and just pouring out your horrible life story. Say, I'm going to come up, and when people see me, they're going to hear an encouraging word. I'm going to say something encouraging today to them. You'll see how God will bless you and you'll see how God will take away that discouragement from you. We're going to do one more message in this series. And next Sunday, I'm going to talk to you about how to conquer burnout. It probably is the most personal of the messages that I will preach because I will tell you what happened to me on May 22nd and how I experienced a complete burnout and how God has begun the process of restoring that and how he can do that same thing in your life.